The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. Breaking news, the Patriots dynasty is dead. Hang them up, Billy and Tom. It's over. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Feels like we haven't done a podcast in a while. We haven't done many podcasts, but that's because it's the playoffs. And this is the Saturday wildcard weekend recap. I'm here joined by John Breach, Ryan Wilson, and Sean Wagner-McGuff. John and I, fresh off an HQ hit. John, your Tennessee Titans, you've called it, called your shot. Uh, I called you guys a bunch of dumb masses and wing nuts. And, and well, I didn't, want my, I didn't want my house to get egged. I live right here in Nashville, and I pick the Patriots, and Titans go out and win. I'm going to wake up in the morning. My house is going to be toilet papered. It's going to get ugly. But now I heard fireworks. People are going to be out celebrating. I'm going to go drink with these Titans fans. So we need to get this podcast over with. Um, you're, okay, A, nobody knows. Nobody's going to come to your house, right? No, nobody's going okay. <laughs> to. Unless uh, Arthur Smith hires them. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, were we wrong about him. <laughs> and B, uh, Ryan, do you think John is going to go out drinking after this after this podcast? Uh, John is already drinking. I would have had to guess because you guys did the HQ hit. 45 seconds later, he showed up in a Miami sweatshirt. 12 seconds later, he showed up in a pick six half zip. So I don't know what he's got underneath that shirt. I don't know what's coming next. I'm very afraid for my eyeballs. But a lot of weird stuff is going on in Nashville, and it starts in, in uh, Breach's basement. Sean, I think you called the Titans to cover, too. Did you think the Titans were going to win? I said that on the the pick, our preview YouTube show. Unfortunately, in my picks column, I did not have the guts to say that, but I did pick them to cover. Mm. Well, they covered. They won outright. Uh, I look like a dumb dumb. And um, nice to to us, me and Breach especially. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, look, I'll say this: I thought that the Patriots um, didn't play very well, and that this is a flawed Patriot team. But I did think that the Patriots, uh, when it was, let's see, so it would have been ten to seven. The Patriots had the ball. They get first in goal at the one, the Titans one yard line. And they three chances to get in, and they can't get it done. Rashad Evans and Jeffrey Simmons blew up the Patriots' offensive line over and over again. Sonny Michelle and Rex Burkhead stuffed multiple times trying to get in the goal line. The Patriots kick a field goal to go up 13-7. That would be their final points of the game. It felt like to me if they score a touchdown there, they were they were going to win the game, and that that stop that goal line stop stand flipped everything. Well, let me ask you this, and actually, let me ask Breach this, because I, I would imagine I know how you felt. When Ryan Tannehill turned into Miami, Ryan Tannehill from the Miami Dolphins, first play of the fourth quarter, that stupid arm punt, 14-52 to go, 14-13, were you then at that point, Breach, worried that the luck had run out of Ryan Tannehill and that this was going to be a, a, a short Ryan Tannehill stint as a superstar quarterback and the Patriots are going to come back and win by 15 points or something? 
Uh, absolutely, 100%. I thought the game was over. There were still 14 minutes left in the fourth quarter, but that felt like the Patriots always get that one thing in the playoffs where you can't believe it happened. Maybe they got outplayed the whole game, but then all of a sudden there's that avenue that they have to victory, and that is what it felt like. It was almost like Tannehill. Look, this was his first playoff start ever, and he was finally like, Man, we gave 160 yards to Derrick Henry. I think that's what he had at that point. I want to do something in this game. I'm going to make something happen. I want people to remember me. And then he he just, that was an arm punt, except it was intercepted, so it wasn't a punt. And it was embarrassing. It was bad. It almost cost him the game. But the Titans' defense was so good. I think that was kind of the, I know the Patriots' offense isn't great, and I probably thought the Patriots should have run the ball more. Uh, but the Titans' defense was so good in this game that it ended up not mattering. And so... It's going to be good going forward because their the, defense looks good. Was the Titans' defense good, or were the Patriots just terrible on offense? Well, they they shut down the running game. I felt like after the the first few series, I mean, you know, they're moving Julian Edelman around, but no one else is catching the football. And Nikhil Harry looked absolutely lost and and sort of like just. That I mean, look, it's it's 2014 is a good reminder. We don't need to you know base our opinions of wide receiver classes on on a half a year or two years or three years even. But I mean, Nikhil Harry. Like if they had AJ Brown instead, or um, I mean, name any other rookie, rookie wide receiver. Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel. Samuel I mean, Terry yeah. McLaurin, third round pick. I mean, ah, I mean, look, in, but, I know he's on IR. I don't know. You don't want to bury him for him. He could still be a very good player, but he just doesn't fit what they want to do. I thought he was going to be a red zone weapon. He doesn't run great routes. He doesn't have great hands. He's just not on the same page with Tom Brady. Edelman had a huge drop. Ben Watson had a long catch down the field that was negated by a, a illegal. Um, illegal man downfield. It just felt like the Patriots made the sort of mistakes that other teams make when they play the Patriots in Foxborough in the playoffs. Uh, this the Titans were the first team, or the second team, excuse me, um, since Bill Belichick arrived to go to New England and win playoffs or regular season with a uh, quarterback who threw for less than a hundred yards passing. I'm sure you, you mentioned um, know who the other one was. Oh, I don't know who the other one is. You do come on. Guys. Oh, Joe Joseph R. Flacco. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I heard you say that on HQ. Um, quickly, I want to say before. Ooh, were we good? Were we good? Was it good? Yeah, I watched the first five minutes. Then I wanted to see that lady ask Bill Belichick the questions. So Ooh, said, funny you should mention that. A lady asked Bill Belichick a stupid question after the game. I don't want to say it's a, is it a stupid question. Is that fair? There, she could have asked a better question. Like, I, I don't know what she was doing it for. I need. To, I want to know what what outlet she's with. Although, in her defense. You could ask Bill Belichick anything, you're getting the same answer. So in that sense, you can ask whatever. Somebody asked him, like, well, strategically, what did you try to do differently against the run in the second half? He's like, and you could tell he, like, wanted to answer it, but he didn't want to actually answer it because then he would act, everybody would know that he's fine answering questions like that. So he was like, oh, the guys didn't make plays. We, you know, we changed it up a little bit, but not too much. It's like really because he wanted to be like, well, we thought the you know the Super Bowl, the six and one uh, alignment at the line might create some issues with Henry, and we're going to try and do that. But then we got the third down and short. We didn't have the opportunity to use it, passing downs, etc. Well, gosh, didn't make plays. Anyway, here's the crazy question the lady asked. Um, I know this is a disappointing evening for you, um, but Pat's Nation, your fans have have stuck with you through thick, thick and thin. Um, social media, it just they still love you. Do you have any message for the fans who have, are sort so supportive of you and the team? Yeah, we appreciate our fans. Um, I wouldn't say it's been all that thin around here, personally. <laughs> I mean, that was my first thought when she said it. I was like, what's the thin? Like, when has it been thin? We were off 
they were sh- they were showing that question on HQ. Breach and I were off the camera, and like, I wish I don't know if they captured my face or could have captured my face, but like, I did the I did the John Cena like he was like, like when she because knowing she said like through thick and thin, but then she was like, they still love you on social media. Like Bill Belichick just lost a wild card game to Ryan Tannehill at home and Mike Vrabel, and you think what he wants to find out is from some random lady who showed up to this game that the Pats are still loved on social media. But the Pats are loved on social media. He yeah, so, question much more diplomatically than I thought he would, given the way she started that question. So props for that. But I think, obviously, you can see the wheels turning when, when she said the thick and thin thing, and then he's, like, halfway through his answer. He's like, wait a second. He he got, like, a little bit of an accent when he said personally. Like, you know when, like, people get drunk or when they, um, you know, when they get angry, they develop an accent? You can hear a little bit. I wouldn't say it's been all that thin around here, personally. Personally, like he's got a little bit like of an accent. You can just hear. What is he? At? Where is he from? He's from the Northeast. I don't know, but it just something came out in him. So it was like a visceral um, uh, uh, dialect, re- dialectic reaction, or something like that. When anyway. Breach gets angry, his Albanian accent comes out. I've noticed that. I try not to get angry anymore, though, because I know you can't handle it. One thing about the thin part is though that the Patriots did get booed earlier this season in the loss to the Chiefs, and obviously no one asked Belichick about that after the game because no one would dare ask Belichick about that until right now. Uh, and so you know he remembers things like that, and that's kind of a pot shot at, hey, look, our fans don't always stick by us because uh, I know Patriots fans, when they're not sticking by the Patriots, are on Twitter hate-tweeting Brinson, sometimes me and sometimes Sean, but not really Wilson. Well, who's more likely to leave, Breach, Tom Brady or Bill Belichick? Brady, 100%. I don't think Belichick – would leave only because I think he wants to prove he can win a Super Bowl without Brady. And if you ask me who has a better chance of winning a Super Bowl next year, I think it's Belichick and wherever he is, probably New England versus Brady and wherever he is, you forgot maybe the, not New England. The answer is Josh McDaniels. Yeah, I was Go ahead, about Sean. to say that. Yeah, I was going to say the answer is Josh McDaniels. Um, I, I think Brady comes back ultimately. I don't think – like what? what is um, – wait, 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 what do you mean the answer is Josh McDaniels? That's who's most likely to leave in but terms of bringing up this dynasty. That's not the answer. Everybody knows McDaniels might leave. He's leaving anyway. He's going to Carolina. Okay, then the answer is neither of them are leaving. Boom. Okay. Dunked on. Go ahead, Sean. That's a better third answer. Belich- Belichick, I mean, Belichick is either retired. Like, he's not going to another team. So it's either retire or keep coaching the Patriots. What is he going to do? Like, what, what does he enjoy besides, like, narrating World War II documentaries? Like, he can't do that for the rest of his life. So he's coming back. Uh, who... Like, I'm not saying this to Barry Brady. I don't think Brady's done. I don't even think the Patriots dynasty is necessarily done. But is there a team out there that's going to be very eager to give Brady, like, a two-year deal paying him good money? It's funny you ask that because someone from PFF, I can't remember who, tweeted out a team that needs a quarterback should offer $40 million one-year deal to Tom Brady. The Chargers, the Colts, the Bears. I would like Brady on a one-year $25 million deal. Would you take? First of all, the, the question is: Tom Brady going to retire? These no, no. Well, well can we let Tom Brady answer the question? My <laughs> God, New Year, New Year, me and Ryan interrupting sound clips. <laughs> Tom, a lot of interest, obviously, in what's going to happen next. Can you just explain to us? I know you just came off the field, but just how you plan to go about your process and determining what to do next with your. Yeah, I just, I just came off the field. You're right. <laughs> So, and then he was asked by Doug Keaton a follow-up. John, I know that you keep saying that you don't know what's going to happen in the future. Is there any possibility that you would retire after the, this last season? Uh, I, you know, 
I would say it's pretty unlikely, but yeah, hopefully unlikely. Yeah. Um, look, I, I would say that this reminded me of Philip Rivers um, in his post game press conference, sort of. Not that Tom Brady was standoffish, but you know he had another thing that he said, and he he, he was like, he was just like, we're playing for the past, like you know, it's it's the greatest organization, playing playing for Mister Kraft all these years. He was like, and Coach Belichick. I don't I'm like. Okay, does it, Ryan? Does a pick six on his final pass of the season, Jameis Winston style? Does that make it more or less likely that he would? Like try to come back and do something with the Pats, and should he have walked away after last year? Well, in retrospect, maybe, but it seems like he said all along he wants to play till he's forty-five. Tony Romo sort of hinted at it during the telecast that he felt like Brady was coming back, and that was just his gut. He hadn't talked to Brady uh, to hear him explain it. Throwing that pick six probably doesn't help. That's yeah, also the first time in his career he's th- he's thrown pick sixes in back-to-back games. He could have thrown two pick sixes in this game if Logan Ryan didn't have his head up his butt on the first one. In fact, you could argue he should have caught the first one and, dr- and just gone down to the one-yard line in the second one so he didn't have to go through all that two-point conversion and the weird ending. But whatever, it happened. So I, I feel like Tom Brady's definitely coming back. What else is he going to do? We saw the Facebook documentary where he goes to Costa Rica for a few weeks and looks like he gets extremely bored. He walks around the house, gets extremely bored. I mean, he, he's in the backyard wearing a helmet and shoulder pads doing, like, drills in the middle of summer. He's got nothing else going on. And I say this as someone – uh, as Tom Brady is someone who is married to a woman who makes ten times as much as he does, is one of the most beautiful persons on the planet, and he's like, nah, I'm going to go to work today, and I'm 43 years old, and play around with a bunch of guys 20 years younger than me because that's, that's what I do. So why suddenly is he going to retire after throwing pick six, a pick six that cost his team the Ryan's, game? Ryan's like, listen, Tom, you need to listen to me. Whatever yeah. you do, you don't come back to that house. You do not retire if you do you're going to be down here with the earphones on and talking to this mic you'll be listening to Brinson all the time trust me it's a hellscape let me tell you something if uh my wife made 400 million dollars a year whatever giselle makes i'll do whatever involving not going to work if that's what it takes but not pack not podcasting with Brinson for sure. <laughs> yeah yeah you can pay me 40 million to not podcast with him but uh yeah now we'll we'll see next to that basketball what's going on down there what do you see what's next to that basketball can of beans this? Uh, that's a baseball. I know that. that? Yeah. Oh, you'll love this. This is you'll love this, Bridge. This is my vintage seventies Steelers. Soda uh, cola. Yeah. Yeah. My, why would I, why would I love that? If I'm ever at your house, I'm gonna throw that away. I'm gonna put it in the trash. It's old. You why would you keep something that old? You know I'm really sad, Brinson. Well, Breach, we don't throw away old stuff. The Patriots are the Patriots gonna throw away Tom Brady because he's old? Oh way to turn that around's a good segue. That's a good baseball too that that the Roger listeners Harris. cannot see because this is a podcast and not a video cast, Wilson. But Sorry. that was a cool baseball and a cool can that I would never throw away. Uh, look, Brady, here here's the thing about Brady is that we don't know uh, you can look at quarterbacks and say, Wow, that guy regressed. Brady had no one to throw to. This offense was so bad. You take Rob Gronkowski out. Brock was drawing double teams, opening things up for Edelman and all. Outside of Edelman, pretty much every receiver on that team is average or below average. So Brady just had no one to throw to. You put him on a team with receivers, chargers, uh, Keenan Allen. You know, if he has someone to throw to, I think he could still put up some big numbers. So would Brady even want to return to New England? Suggesting that Tom Brady's going to go to the Chargers. Like, why is on teams that are. That need a quarterback uh, and have more weapons than the current Patriots roster. And our CBS Sports just, NFL insider Jason Lockenfora mentioned it as a possibility in November. Will you hate to see it? 
The Chargers, look, I get it. I understand. Take that basketball off your desk back there and dunk on yourself again. <laughs> the Chargers are a, the Chargers are a dysfi- dysfunctional pile of crap. Why would Tom Brady be like, you know what? You know what? I won six California Patriots. So what? It's a, it's, it's a big state. It's not anywhere close to where you grew up in California. Yeah. It's close to New England's my point, Sean. Don't try to split us up. Let's still double team Brenton. All right, fine. You're right. All right. Off All right listen, let me quick, quickly, uh, to follow up on what, what Breach just said and, and Brenton mentioned earlier about no wide receivers. He was talking about Nikhil Harry not being very good. Dan Daly, uh, Dan Daly on sports tweeted this out after the loss. Let the record show the Patriots gave a second round pick for 218 yards of Mosinu in nine playoff games. And he also tweeted later, um, Let's see. That also, oh, they tried to sign it. Someone else added this in the comments. They could have signed Antonio Brown, but he couldn't put his phone down. So uh, they tried in a weird way to, to address the, the problems. Manny Sanders may have been a better option. Obviously, he he did not go there. He went to the 49ers. He's still playing. So, yeah, they have a lot of issues at, at Dude, uh, at, at one point in the first four weeks of the season, we're like, is this the most loaded team Tom Brady's ever played on? It was like, it was like, uh, it was Josh Gordon. Well, Josh Gordon, Antonio Brown. We're like we're adding Antonio Brown to this offense. Yeah, it was Josh Gordon, Antonio Brown, Julian Edelman, Demarius Thomas, and then like Philip Dorsett. We're like, this, is this is this the best wide receiver? Like, if you can find articles out there where people are like, is this the greatest wide receiver core that Tom Brady's ever had? By the way, did you see what AB tweeted and then deleted? Sean, let's look at it real quick. You might, you guys may have been on HQ. Yeah. I mean, you showed it to us, I think. See, I yelled. So. Oh, well, you guys were doing HQ, so I don't know if you saw it. But um, what was the tweet, Sean? Do you want you to tell me? It's that, what was it, the 2020? Basically, he's only he said he's only playing with Brady if he plays in 2020. I think no, that was the he deleted. You showed me that one. So let me recount Antonio Brown's goals for 2020. No white women and only playing with Brady. Is that correct so far? Do I have his list right? So can he hang out around Brady's family? I, I don't know. Giselle is. She's Brazilian, Sean. Sean, here's the tweet that you you didn't remember. He tweeted us out at 11.56 p.m. the night of the loss, and then he deleted it shortly thereafter. A.B. tweeted, seeing the people who tried to hurt you fail is the best inner feeling exclamation point. Look at me now. God's plan. That's a little more aggressive than I only will play with Tom Brady. Hey, this is not an Antonio Brown podcast. But hold on. So basically felt like he took a shot at the Patriots, then said he would only play with Brady which made it sound like he doesn't think Brady will return to the Patriots, but he wants to play with wherever Brady ends up. It's, and of all the things like, we mentioned, I think the Colts will be the best. The Colts? Yeah, T.Y. Hilton, they got running backs, they have a good offensive and line. Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, same place, win a, t- win a Super Bowl. I don't know about He's that. He's not leaving New England, guys. Yeah, no, I don't think he's either. As long as we're talking about it. He's, 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 uh, he's, the idea of him going to the Chargers is just. What about the Steelers? One year, $40 million? Who says no? Would you? I mean, would you say yes or no to that? After forty million. I mean, no, no. Let's take the money out of it. Let's give him thirty million, whatever it is, like a reasonable salary. I mean, like Sean, you would take him for thirty million, right? Yeah, bank? absolutely. For a one-year deal, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I would. Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, whoever. <laughs> back we don't. You don't know what his elbows. What the situation? Uh, is. All right. The Steelers will sign Tom Brady. They'll send Big Ben to the to the <laughs> Very Bears. Very What was right. Rivers going to the Patriots? No. He's all right. Panthers. I'm going to rein us back in. I never thought I would do this because we <laughs> turned this into a Tom Brady free agency podcast. And Titans fans in yes. Nashville, my neighbors, want to hear about how they ran all over the Patriots, used their human steamroller, Derrick Henry, to run for 182 yards. And Brinson should have to sing that man happy birthday on this podcast for picking against Tennessee. And that was uh, 
if you run like that, you can beat anyone in the postseason. Well, That's all I'm going to say. First of all, it's Sunday, so it's not his birthday anymore. But happy birthday to you. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Tractor Cito. Happy birthday to you. That was like watching a high school game, by the way. You have one player in your team, and he just drags the whole defense up and down the field the entire game. And there was literally nothing they could do about it. Can you guys name the leading receiver on the Titans and how many catches he had? Perks are two, 23. Next question. Can you name who had the highest QB rating in the game? Um, Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota. That was a trick question. <laughs> um, do you got to bleep out happy birthday? Or Tractor Cito, Diva? Happy birthday. I can't sing nope. happy birthday? Debo, you can sing it now. The copyright uh, <laughs> it ended like last year. Google oh. it. I, I swear. I don't, know, I don't know how I know that. This is Breach. Who's trying to... the a-hole that copyrighted happy birthday? Like You, you mean the smart person? I, mean, I guess a genius. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. This is Breach trying to get Brenton fired, by the way. It hasn't been. The copyright hasn't expired. Are you sure? Warner no, Music pays Out of all the ways million for... to end happy birthday copyright. February 9th, 2016. So I'm out of date. Oh, there you go. God, I know my copyrights, guys. I study those every off season. Out of all the ways for Brenton to get fired, singing "Happy Birthday" would to be Derek incredible. Henry. Be the best. Uh, I've been planning that for years to take over as the host. Okay, so the Titans are a ten-point underdog headed to Baltimore to play the Ravens. But should we? Uh, uh, not to interrupt you, but should we continue to, to extol the virtues of what the Titans did? Or are we trying to move no, on? No, I was, I was, I was gonna, I was gonna ask Ken what they. I wasn't trying to jump forward. I was saying, just sort of setting the table for the listener. Ken, did did you think that their game plan was sound against the Patriots? Because, I mean, look, like if you told me, if you'd said before the game, you're like Ryan Tannehill will throw it for 72 passing yards. Would you have guessed the Patriots win or lose? Well, I would actually. Have- I would have guessed actually the Titans would have won because then because if Tannehill throws for seventy two yards, that means they're not trailing. It's so low that they just didn't throw it all. Yeah, I guess so. I actually thought that he looked he looked perfectly fine. They didn't they didn't ask him that it was smart. Like you can't go into New England and ask him to wing it all over the place. You knew they were going to take away AJ Brown. They did. You knew they were going to limit Johnny Smith. They did. You. You knew that you were going to have to run the ball physically with Derrick Henry to beat them, and that's exactly what the Titans did. That first drive, and it was like four, seven, eight, nine, ten, like six, five. He just, he was just gashing them left and right. And he did the same thing on the on the drive before the half to give them the fourteen thirteen lead. And so when they needed big runs from Derrick Henry, he got them. And I mean, he was getting he was getting extra yards. He had a twenty two yard touchdown reception. Or uh, I guess a 22-yard catch, and then it was put back at the one. He dove back in for the touchdown after that. I mean, just a marvelous game from Derrick Henry all around. And, I mean, that dude is is trashing people right now over the last three months or so. And I want to go back to what Brinson said real quick. During that end of the second quarter, it was 10-7. to 7. The Patriots had a first and goal at the one-yard line. And it wasn't that they didn't score there. It was their just – I couldn't believe how bad the play calling was because you look at when they were near the goal line the first time, they ran that pseudo trick play where they, you know, Brady's yelling out like, Julian Edelman, get in your place, get in your place. Edelman comes around, gets the reverse handoff and scores the easiest touchdown of his life. He could have somersaulted in the end zone. Next time they get the ball there, they go up the middle every time. No creativity. They don't score there. And Brinson, you said it earlier. If they get a touchdown there, it is 17 to 7 with under five minutes or, or under with 215 left. Yeah. 
in the second quarter. And at that point, the Titans are slinging the ball. They're going to start throwing because they're not going to they, – that takes you out of your game plan. It takes you out exactly. of running the ball. And, and then instead of getting a touchdown, now they're only up 13-7. And then Tannehill and Derrick Henry came through with that huge drive right before halftime that set up – the Prince was talking about the 22-yard pass down the one-yard line. Uh, and then that touchdown, all of a sudden, you go from maybe trailing 17-7 to at halftime to leading – 14 to 13, Vrabel was probably like, guys, we look stupid for a quarter and a half because the Patriots are going up and down the field. We own that game. So all we do is keep playing our game in the second half. We're going to win, and that's what they did. That two-minute drill, by the way, was 75 yards of mostly Derrick Henry running minus the 23-yard pass play. That's like – I mean, that's a, a two-minute drill from uh, 85 years ago in terms of, of – Yeah. <laughs> it was insane. Yeah. And it it was the a, only bad minute, pass. It was, a minute, it was a minute 41. They started at 25 and finished with a 75-yard touch. I mean, that's incredible. It's incredible. You were talking about how well um, Tannehill played. The only bad pass that Armpunt we already talked about. The first touchdown to Ferkser uh, was amazing. He had some good throws late. The, uh, the third down conversion late in the game to Ferkser was also amazing. Had a pass dropped down the sidelines. I can't remember who it was to, but they should have been caught to, to continue the drive. They had to punt. But other than the arm punt, uh, I thought Tannehill played as well as he could have played. And everything else was just they had no answers, like absolutely no answers for Derrick Henry. Well, that, I mean, th- that was the thing is like the f- couple of times. So the Titans punted uh, six times. Tannehill had the interception. I mean, they only had two scoring drives. Like they didn't. They it. That's the thing. And then Logan Ryan had a pick six, and he actually should have fallen down before he got to the end zone to really preserve it. But you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah, can I ask uh, ask you something? Yeah, do whatever you want. Six thirty nine to go. Third and three from the Patriots, 34. And Tannehill fumbles the freaking ball on the snap. So it's fourth down, 14-13, and this is where Mike Vrabel pulls a Bill bleep, Belichick. Bleep got weird. It got really weird. So um, this feels like something John would break down play-by-play. Play. Do you want to talk about this, John, or should, should, um, should I keep going? John, uh, try, John tried to break it down. He's like, hold on a second, EK, on HQ. He's like, can we break down in detail the full? And he's like, no, we got to keep moving, son. Keep going. <laughs> You can break it down, Ryan. All I'll say is that my favorite part of this whole thing was that Vrabel used the exact strategy. Set up, set up, set up the back. Here's okay, the back. yeah, yeah. Set up the whole thing. Set up Against the whole thing. the Jets, in, as the Jets are being slaughtered by the Patriots, Bill Belichick does this thing earlier in the season. I can't say probably week, week nine because Darnold was back. Um, and Bill Belichick did this thing where he was like, he decl- Adam Gase was going to go punt the ball. And he l- ran a delay a game, and Bill Belichick declined it. And they're like, wait, what? He declined to delay a game. And so then Adam Gase couldn't do a delay of game again because it would be an unsportsmanlike penalty if you get two delay of games. So you just had to punt it, and, and Bill Belichick's there like smiling, like, ha, 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 I cost your clock, time of the clock. Well, apparently Mike Vrabel studied that because then Mike Vrabel realized that if he took a delay of game, when the pay, when the Titans were about to punt it to the Patriots, he could then, after he took the delay of game, take a false start, and it would run down two clocks worth of of of, of, of two two play clocks worth, without costing them anything, because if you alternate, the rule book is set up such that if you alternate back and forth on penalties, you can't get that on sportsman like fifteen yard penalty. And this was all before four minutes, so the clock just keeps running. Belichick is going crazy on the sidelines. I, You don't see him that angry. Well, I mean, he knew he was sort of caught with his hand in the cookie jar, so to speak. This is his, his go-to move. So delay a game, then it was the false start. They keep winding the clock. And then there was going to be another delay game probably, except that the Patriots uh, were in the neutral zone, 
So at that point, Belichick's like, forget it. I, I, there's nothing I can do. The the penalty or the play where Tannehill fumbled the the snap on third down. There was 6:39 on the clock in the fourth quarter. By the time the ball was punted by Brett Kern out of bounds at the Patriots nine yard line, there was 4:44 on the clock. Yep. And the, the Tennessee was still up 14-13. There were some people concerned on, on Twitter that maybe this was going to blow up in Tennessee's face because they may need, maybe they need that time. But clearly Vrabel had had faith in his defense which, again, got off the field, and the Patriots actually punted. And they did this a few times. They punted on with fourth and short several times throughout they the did. They punted on fourth and three from the Titans' 47 and fourth and four from their own 37, both when they were down by one. And this wasn't just like that's what Belichick did twice. And I would argue we're talking about this whole punt sequence that Vrabel actually should have went for that fourth and four 100%. instead of punting. According to Edge Sports, Punting lowered their win probability by 6.5%. And look, it worked out, uh, so you can't criticize the final result, but I think the process was bad. I think you absolutely go for that. The Patriots can't already move the ball. You shouldn't be afraid of the fact if you're giving them the ball to 35-yard line, wherever it was. It took the Patriots two plays after that punt to get to where the Titans um, would have given them the ball had they failed that fourth down. Yeah, I mean, look, I, to the winner, to the victor go, the victor, yeah. the victor go the spoils, and like, I know that people were like, well, Mike Vrabel's going to wish he had that time back when Tom Brady marches down the field on. It's like, should he really be worried that Tom Brady's going to march down the field on him? Cause they're not, like, they don't have any deep plays. They're not going to beat you deep. And he hadn't marched in, you know, a couple of quarters. I don't know if he's going to do it now. But again, I mean, this was, and it was a fourth and five from the Patriots 36 when the Titans started that whole process. So like, you kick the field goal. It's 54 yards. You're not doing that because, since 2000, since the year 2000, NFL kickers are 47% on field goals over 54 yards in the playoffs. Like, there's more pressure, not great weather, long distance. Their kickers the, never kicked for the kicker team before. had never kicked a postseason field goal in his life or attempted one. So you throw and, that off the table. And the Titans have missed more kicks than they made this year, right? And no, you go. Yeah, the Titans are like the worst since 1983. I mean, they, I mean, they had Cody Parkey at one point this year. That's just all. First team since 1983 to make under 50% of their field goals. Didn't they, didn't they sign the guy this week? Two weeks ago. They put suck up on IR because he was struggling. I'm not even convinced he was fully injured. It was just, uh, we need to save face and kind of move on from you, but we're going to keep you because we think if you're fully healthy, you're good. And maybe he was trying to kick it like 90%. But yeah, Ryan suck was on IR. They had Cody Parkey this year. They had uh, Cairo Santos this year. So Greg Joseph is their fourth kicker of the season. So they've gone through nightmare kicking. So field goal off the table, that makes sense. I'm okay with that. And the only reason I wasn't – I was okay that they punted. I know a lot of people want to see them go for it. And, Sean, you just mentioned the percentages. But if you don't get it, it's not like Tom Brady has to march them down the field. He only has to get 25 yards. So that's a huge, huge difference. So if you punt and you pin them at the 10, now they have to get – 60 yards. That's, that's a, doubles the yardage they have to get. If they needed a touchdown, I absolutely agree with going for it because they just need a field goal. I think the punt was the, like, prudent play here. And Brett Kern is the best punter in the NFL. Yes. And yes. was that the play? No, it was later in the game where they downed it at the one inch line. Well, that was the weird one where the Patriots were selling out to block it, but then Edelman was not back to receive it and instead was running up and there was like 25 seconds left. Like, why wouldn't you let Edelman field it and try to return it? Uh, Belichick was asked about that at the press conference. He was? Here's, here's the audio. I'm kidding. There was no audio. <laughs> but, uh, but he, he did say. <laughs> oh, that would have been an ultra dunk down. <laughs> he, he, he was asked. I would have put my hands up, hung up and left. <laughs> he said, uh, he said there was not going to be a very long run back. So we wanted to block the kick. It would have been deep in his, it was, they were punting from the 50 yard line. There wasn't going to be a big. Yeah, I, yeah, I get what I'm he's fine saying. with like, it. 
What is? But Edelman wasn't trying to block it. Edelman's standing. I don't know what he was doing in midfield. Maybe he trying to get off the field in a hurry. I don't know. Um, one thing I will say is Ryan just mentioned that uh, Brett Kern's the best punter in the game. A couple of those punts I thought Belichick called because he was trying to flip the field, and he's used to his special teams being the best in the game. And I bet he actually hated the fact that he cut Ryan Allen because of this game. Jake Bailey kind of choked here. He had two touchbacks. Yeah. He, only, he only had six touchbacks the entire season. He had two in this game. And Belichick, is when he calls for that punt in that situation, he's expecting his punter 100% of the time to pin the other team inside the 10-yard line. And twice, Bailey kicked touchbacks, and that kind of ruins Belichick's plan to punt it. So on the fourth and four at the Pats 37 with three minutes and 17 seconds left, is that – that, that would have been too aggressive to go, right? That was after – so they, they got a um, – he hit James White for 20 yards on that after the first Brett Kern punt, after the whole – the whole shebang where they, you know, did the, the dance, the, the neutral zone dance around. Um, he hits James White for 20 and you're like, uh oh, Patriots are cooking. Uh, then, um, he hits Philip Dorsett for six yards on second and four. He hits Julian Edelman as cleanly as you can hit Julian Edelman. And Edelman completely, not to disparage current Hall of, Hall, Hall of Famer coach, but, uh, he welcomed it. He welcomed it, man. <laughs> uh, well, and then, but then, so he, 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 Edelman drops that. It was an easy catch. I mean, like, it, like his face was like, oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. Uh, then he, Brady misses Dorsett. And so it's fourth and four from the New England 37. I, I understand why you can't go for that because you just made the, Sean just made the exact same face of the girl who tries kombucha does, which she's like, mm. um, like <laughs> I understand, I understand, I understand why you punt it because you're down one. You believe you have a great defense. But like Derrick Henry's running all over you. Are you? That's shot? why you don't. That's why you don't punt it. Right. But that's I'll, what I'll say this to defend Belichick because he is. I, I, we all agree he's the best coach in NFL in the NFL right now, probably in NFL history. And he's someone he knows the numbers, but he also coaches with his feel of the game. And what he saw in the second half was the Titans three possessions before that were punt, punt, interception, punt. So. All he saw was Derrick Henry get shut down in the second half on the four prior possessions. They didn't do anything with any of their second half possessions, so he had no reason to think his defense wasn't going to come through. I disagree with that, though. One of their punt their drives took up eight minutes off the clock. Like I think that accomplished what they were trying to do in that series. And you're, um, still, you're playing with fire. You're, like, you're only up one point, Sean. So it doesn't like the clock doesn't matter if it's a two score game. It's a big deal, but. You're playing with fire. The clock completely matters. They had the ball on the one-yard line with 25 seconds left after they didn't go for that fourth down. And you're playing with fire if you think Derrick Henry isn't going to go off at some point. Yeah, he'll just keep running the wall for for two yards. I mean, that is sort of huge. And the fact that – I mean, they ain't playing against a team without a running back. If it was just Deion – what's his name? What's Deion's last name? Deion Lewis. Deion Lewis back there. (laughs) So disrespectful. Remember Deion James from uh, the Braves? I almost said Deion James. Old school. But yeah, no, I actually have to agree with Sean, even though he's making fun of me right now. And Bill Belichick is actually relatively conservative on fourth downs, much more so than the analytics nerds might like. And I, I think Breach is right that some of it's just gut and being a really good coach and coaching forever. But I don't know why you don't go for it here. Uh, 317 left, especially when Henry runs the ball and, and eats up clock. I just, for the record, I thought they should have gone for it. I was just explaining why I thought Belichick didn't go for it. And Sean, you saying it's aiming to drive is true, but two of those minutes were the bonus crazy minutes that we were just talking about with the punt. 
where there were no plays run. They agree. were just exploiting the rules. So it wasn't like a eight minute drive where they just had the ball for eight minutes. No, it was, it was well, eight minutes. well, they did have the drive ball for eight minutes. Wasn't well, but also, the odds of them doing the exact same thing were very slim. Wasn't there also a, a situation where Belichick punted and people were like, uh, I don't know if we should have punted there. And then they got the ball with like in like six yards better field position after three and out earlier. Like I, I feel like, I feel like that's what he was banking on was, you know, look, he's hanging his hat on this defense. They got to be able to stop Derrick Henry. They have to be able to stop the Titans and. <laughs> Arthur Smith outcoached him. And the first well, in the first half there was a fourth and one. Son. Patriots it's, had a fourth and one from their own forty seven, punted. The Titans went three and out, punted back. Then the Patriots started the next drive on Tennessee's forty seven and got a field goal out of it. So that's kind of Yeah. I don't think anyone should be surprised by this too, because this is kind of how Belichick has approached like what Breach was saying. Like Belichick understands his offense isn't any good. He clearly doesn't trust his offense. This is what he's been doing this entire season. If you go back to week seventeen, um in that Dolphins game, which obviously is the only reason why they're playing in this week, is because they lost to Ryan Fitzpatrick. The Patriots in a ten ten game had the ball left with a minute left and their timeouts, I think two of them. Um, at their own 25, and they ran out the clock in a tie game. This is how Belichick has kind of approached this entire season. He he knows his offense is terrible, and he's coaching like that. Well, and th- that's the other thing too is like when they talk, when analytics talk about going for it on fourth and short, you have to have a better than 50 percent chance of converting. But if if you don't believe that Tom Brady can get the ball to like. You know what I mean? Like, if you think it's a 30% chance of converting, that, that's the thing that people don't talk about with this analytics stuff. If you, th- if you feel like you have a 30% chance of converting fourth and four, then you shouldn't go for it. Well, you also have to value the way in the time that's left, 317. If this is like four minutes in the first quarter, who gives a crap? I mean, fine. That's, that's fine. But fourth but, and six. But I'm saying that when, when the analytics are discussed, it's like, it's, it's based on an average conversion rate. But if the Patriots suck at converting from fourth and four because Inkeel Harry can't get open. Philip Dorsett has stone hands and Tom Brady's arm is washed. Well, then maybe you should, maybe you should punt. Um, no, that's right. Knee jerk reaction, divisional round breach. Your Titans going to Baltimore. You versus Lock and Fora. Who wins at the battle? <laughs> Oof. You know what? I know that it, the point spread actually shocked me. I thought for sure it would be single digits. Yeah. And it, it is not. It is double. Brinson, you have the point spread. What exactly is the point spread? 10. It is 10. Po- I think that's crazy. No, I was so I I um I was helping out Costas on his radio show, and we we like talked to some sports book guys, like 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 John Murray or you know whoever else like at the Westgate and all that, uh, and they were like they're like there's no way we can make this single digits because everyone will take Baltimore if we make it single digits. Make it if you make it if you make it ten, you'll get even action on both sides because people believe the Titans can hang. Um, do you think they can hang, Breach? I absolutely do think they. Here's what the Titans have. That is going to be where they match up well with the Ravens. They have a very athletic defense. That's what you need to slow down Lamar Jackson and uh, everything that they can do. And their offense isn't one-dimensional. You can't pick and choose what you're going to do. If the Ravens say, hey, we're not going to let Derrick Henry beat us, we've seen Ryan Tannehill was the most efficient quarterback in the NFL this year. Highest QB rating, highest yards per attempt. He was putting up insane numbers. And sure, that might not be sustainable over the next few seasons, but he hasn't slowed down at all this season uh, so I actually like – I would absolutely take the Titans to cover, and I am not sure if I'll pick the upset, but definitely I think it will be a one-score game. Here's my concern. Like that, that, That's a huge number. But but here's my concern uh, about Ryan Tannehill's – sort of what we've seen from him in recent weeks. Um, 
Let's see. After the bye, they played the Jaguars. That defense sucks. The Colts, that defense sucks. The Raiders, that defense sucks. The Texans, that defense is terrible. The Saints, that defense isn't bad. And the Texans again. So that ain't the Ravens' defense. And the Ravens' defense has gotten better each and every week over the last – since like the week eight or so. And I just feel like if there's one slip-up, and we sort, sort of saw it with Tannehill um, with the arm punch. Ryan, you left out one key defense they also played, the one they played Saturday night. Okay, and they won. They won. It was fourteen thirteen until a pick six at the end when they have no quarterback. And there's no offense in New England to speak of. So are you saying the, the Patriots' offense is equal to the Ravens' offense? So no, you, you were just naming the defenses that they had played. Oh, and I was saying Pro Football Reference. They haven't updated, it. but yes, they played the Patriots as well. But uh, the difference is that the Ravens have a really good defense and uh, a fantastic offense. And I think even if the Titans are able to shut down one of those things, the other is going to come back to haunt them. Uh, I mean, I want it to be close. I love the Titan story. I love Mike Brabel. I think he's secretly uh, coach of the year candidate coming into this week, and obviously he'll be more so than that. But uh, I, I don't. Ten points is scary. Like I don't know where I'm where I'm at on that right now. Well, let me ask you this, Ryan: the Ravens' defense, their last four games were against the Bills, Jets, Browns, and Steelers. Are any of those a good offense? So like they haven't had the shock wave of going up against a good offense in more than a month. Yeah, but if you look at the advanced metrics, they're they're playing better on a per play basis compared to the 31 other teams. No. That was me. By the way, 2020 AFC Championship will be the first one since 2002 that doesn't feature Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, or Ben Roethlisberger. They'll be there in spirit. I'll I'll have this about the the matchup. Brian mentioned the Ravens see improving. That's absolutely true. Uh, they are fourth against the pass by DVOA. I will say, though, they are 19th against the run, uh, which could bode well for Derrick Henry. Look, the problem is that the Ravens offense is so potent that if you fall behind, Derrick Henry's just not really going to matter, and it's going to turn into that pass-happy game. So, I mean, I really think this sounds really obvious, like, don't fall behind early. But, like, if the Titans are in the game at halftime, absolutely, I think they'll cover. But I'm just worried about them getting blitz coming out of the gate. I Jim, no no no. I mean I think the, it's it's who who get I mean <laughs> who leads early like who I mean again but it's like who can get downhill because that's how the Ravens beat you if you can get a lead on the Ravens and force Lamar to be one dimensional passing the ball it's easier to stop him than it is you know just like with any team like but if if the Ravens get up fourteen nothing on the Titans they're toast and they can't and they like again I think if the Patriots are the same thing you can watch it on Saturday night. 8-15 on CBS. And let's not forget, by the time Lamar Jackson takes the field, he is not going to have to play the game for three weeks. Yes, that was that, awesome. He also coming off the flu, too. Rust factor, just the rust factor, and he has never won a playoff game. Playoff adds a little bit of pressure. You know who else didn't win a playoff game until tonight? Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, he oh, let Derrick Henry get him his first playoff win. Okay, two, two things. One, you talk about rust factor. I'm going to talk about trust factor. Trust. Woo-woo. Um, I, I thought you were setting up a quote. And fun too. fact, I, like, I don't know when to talk anymore. <laughs> fun fact: first time since 1993, the Patriots have lost home games in back-to-back weeks. Fun fact: RG3 versus Ryan Tannehill, just like we all predicted in 2012. Fun fact: uh, God, I'm blinking. Mike Mike Vrabel. Um, <laughs> Mike, set, Mike who? Oh, I have, this is off to a rough start. You uh, like- Mike Vrabel. This said before the season that he would cut off his uh his you know what to win the Super Bowl. So three wins away from that happening. <laughs> I don't think it was if I win a Super Bowl I cut my D off. I think it was I'd be willing. Or to he D already off. did it, and we're seeing the effects. We just don't know about it. I don't know how this is a fun fact. 
NFL D, not for Mike Vrabel, sir. NFL D insider Sean Wagner McGuff, the scoop on on Mike Vrabel's wiener. Um, I think it's, this this fun fact is brought to you by Bourbon. Um, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the Bills and Texans. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right. <laughs> we'd, say we'd go an hour on this show. That's not happening. 40 minutes of the first game. But you know what? The Patriots dynasty is dead. A new budding dynasty appeared to be building in Buffalo as the Bills Born out of the flames and the dust and whatnot. They jumped out to a 16 nothing lead and then they crapped it all away. Uh, and they lost 22 to 19 in overtime to the Houston Texans. What a roller coaster for you, Sean. What a roller coaster it was. You were a dead man walking in the first quarter. Josh Allen looked awesome. He's throwing BBs around. John Brown's throwing him touchdown passes. He had 70 rushing yards. And then something happened. <laughs> Josh Josh Allen pooped his pants. I think someone drugged his Gatorade or like mixed some vodka he, in there. Is he going to a fish show and he like dropped ate like a bunch of psychedelics or like what was the deal? He played this entire fourth quarter drunk out of his mind. I don't think we've seen a fourth quarter like this from a quarterback maybe ever in the playoffs. Uh let's run through what he did. Uh so the Bills are losing by three. So they blow a 16 point lead. A lot of that was just Deshaun Watson doing Deshaun Watson stuff. Allen did have one bad fumble that led to a field goal. I think most of this is just Deshaun Watson being Deshaun Watson. And we knew the Bills defense wasn't going to be able to hold Deshaun Watson and check the entire game. He finally breaks loose. Texans take a 1916 lead. Allen comes down the field and the Bills are actually in field goal range to tie this game. And on third down, it looks like he's about to take a 14-yard sack. Instead, he throws it away, results in intentional grounding. So then the Bills decide on fourth and forever, was it like fourth and 26, to go for it. They're out of field goal range. They could have punted. Fourth and 27. They were out of field goal range, but they could have punted because they had three timeouts left and the two-minute warning and tried to play the field position battle. Instead, they went for it. Josh Allen ends up compounding the error by taking another sack. I believe they lost 34 yards on those two plays out of nowhere. The Texans can't get a first down, and they actually go for the fourth down, gets gets stopped on a quarterback sneak. So Josh Allen gets one more chance, and right away, look, it looked like, look, he wasn't trusting his arm anymore. He wasn't playing as well in the second half, and he takes off and runs, and it's like, oh, great. Like, this is perfect. You guys have over a minute. This is exactly what you should be doing. And as he's being tackled in midfield, he tries to lateral the ball behind him, I want to say to an offensive lineman, who was not ready for the ball. 
Luckily, the ball's bouncing around. The offensive lineman bats it out of bounds. And it the was Dawson lift. Knox, just so we're clear. Sorry, Dawson Knox, who was not ready and looking for it at all. Again, a minute left in this game. It, not, it not 10 like seconds left. The, 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 I don't, like, I, I, I tweeted this out. I wasn't joking. Like, I yelped as it was happening. And my, Robbie, my son, my six-year-old son, happy birthday, just turned six on uh, Friday. I think I'm happy um, birthday. Yeah, it's legal. You can say I'll see you have it. Uh, or you did like twelve times. Anyway, he's sitting. He's sitting at the, the kitchen table, and he goes, "That was crazy. That was silly." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, buddy." And I was like, "Do you see that?" He goes, "Yeah, that was nuts." I was like, "Yeah, it was nuts." And like he, it was something you do as you're being tackled with four seconds left on the clock, and you're down six points, and you just have to get like you know the 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 pitchy pitchy woo woo thing. Like he just threw it up in the air. Like it was so cavalier. What on earth was he thinking? If the game, if the Texans pick that up and recover it, like that play is going to like be leading every show, even though the Patriots lost and all that, like that is going to be on Josh Allen's, Josh Allen's highlight reel for the rest of his career. So the Bills get the ball back and they or they keep, they retain possession and they still have a chance to get in a field goal range. And this is kind of a play that's being overlooked. He should have been picked off, I believe, two plays later with like 36 seconds left by Roby, who dropped his second interception of the game in the first quarter. He should have had a pick six. Uh, he does end up completing a pass. They kick a field goal, go to overtime. And it felt like in overtime then, Josh Allen was just like, screw it. Like, I've already kind of compounded things. I've messed up my otherwise good game. I'm just going to go for this bad boy. Because he throws up a double-covered pass 50 yards downfield to his fullback. That luckily John. falls incomplete. It's a YOLO throw. <laughs> as, as YOLO! And Booger's best call, um, in, in his credit of his career, calls it a yellow throw, which it absolutely was. And despite all of this, Josh Allen actually manages to kind of get the Bills in field goal range, and then a penalty um, negates it and backs them up, and they have to punt it, and then Watson goes, wins the game. But this was the full Josh Allen experience. Wait across- a second. You're right. You're exactly right. And, and um, you're sort of glossing over a, a pretty important part of this game. Yes. Um the blindside block that was called on Cody Ford that got them out of field goal range where they could have – House could have gone four for four to that point, so he would have had a chance at a going five for five. He, he seemed to be locked in, as Breach would say, when he's practicing field goals by himself. But technically, apparently, that's the right call on the blindside block, but it wasn't like he ear-holed the guy. He just basically got in front of the guy. He didn't take his head off, but it's you can't go back towards the line of scrimmage to block a guy. Um uh, Booger said it was actually a selfish play by Cody Ford. It wasn't a selfish yeah, play. Yeah, it was a weird call. He was just trying to block uh, Mike, it. Mike Pereira tweeted, he was like, enough people have asked me about the blinds I blocked. I feel I need to give my opinion. I think the call is incorrect. He doesn't leave with his shoulder or head. He pushes him. It's a bad rule. I will give my suggestion rule change on whatever show I do at some point. Um, my buddy, Nate, who uh, bet on the bills at uh, plus three, this was spent like four and a half hours after the game texting, like rolled, like, like this is ridiculous, like because it probably def- it, it almost certainly cost them a shot at winning that game. Oh, uh, they would have won the game if they yeah. don't call that play. Well, well I don't know if they would have won. It's it a long have, field goal. It would have been fourth down and been fifty six yards, which was right on the. Edge. I know Hoshka was awesome, and like literally, that was the best game any kicker could possibly have in the wild card round. I don't know where Stephen Hoshka went to school, perchance uh, in Canada. So, oh, North Carolina State. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's how he got uh, his name spelled wrong. It's because they spelled it wrong, and he just and, went and, with it and never corrected them. Yeah, he never told them. <laughs> which is also a great, great story. story. So James there's no – that's not a lock. Yeah. That kick's not a lock. So maybe you punt it. Maybe you kick the field goal. I don't know. But the Texans definitely don't take over 
Uh, it, you know, it changes the complexion of the game. And I will say in Josh Allen's defense, for everything you knocked him for, Sean, on the, that final play, he led him to overtime. So despite taking that sack and the Texans getting the ball, and despite almost throwing the interception, you know, they still got the field goal and they still made it to overtime. And despite him saying, hey, on that drive in OT, I'm just winging it out to my fullback, he still got him in field goal range. Yeah. And they, yeah, the yellow throws. So they lost because of this crazy penalty. Uh, but I thought earlier in the half is when he made the crazier things. The Whitney Merciless strip sack. I don't think he touched the ball. I don't think he, I, he, I, he 100%. He, I think, I'll, sh- I'll show you the clip right now and nobody else can see it. And if he did touch it, it was, it was a, a fingertip. Now. Yeah. And so there is no reason Josh Allen should have fumbled that football. No, 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 well, no, I, no, no, I think, I think yeah. Merciless touched it, but not in a way that was like a strip sacky way. I think he did physically touch it, but the problem was that, that, um, that, that Josh Allen carries the ball like a, Sean McCoy. Pullback, yeah. yeah. Well, let's ask, well, we just, while Breach is doing whatever weird internet research is doing, let's, uh, hear what Josh Allen has to say on his decision making. Gotta know the situation and be smarter in that aspect and, um, you know, at the moment, you know, right there and, you know, just trying to make a play for the team, you know, whatever, whatever it took. And, um, you know, there's some plays obviously I wish I had back and some plays I wouldn't take back, but, um, it's what it is. And here's what, his coach Sean McDermott had to say about him. Yeah, just trying to do too much, you know, trying to do too much, and and um, getting a little bit maybe, you know, um, just extreme with what he, with what he felt like we needed at the time. Um, the one lateral on this on their sideline um, or whatever it was there, but you know, overall, um, we just didn't make enough plays. If your parent or boss or coach or whatever. Describe something as, or whatever that was. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's probably not a great decision making on your part. Um, I thought that, uh, McDermott and, yeah, Brian Dable, he was about to get elevated to Jesus at, at some point in the first quarter and then he just completely collapsed. Well, the Texans should have hired him at halftime or tried to hire him at halftime because if, sure. if Dable was calling plays for the Texans this entire game, this Texans, you feel like win by Baltimore scores. I actually thought the bigger crime in this game for the Bills, like where they lost it was actually in the first half. Because they utterly dominated the Texans in every facet of the game. This looked like a blowout. It was boring to watch. They were so dominant. And they only led 13 nothing. And they really mismanaged the end of the half because they had the ball around the 25-yard line in the first half. And they had a timeout or – yeah, I think they have one timeout left, maybe no timeouts. They and they ran and 10 at the 23 with 30 seconds left. Sean, they had the ball um, on uh, after a Josh Allen pass to Cole Beasley for 21 yards. They had the ball on on Houston's side of the field with a minute 30 left and multiple timeouts. So they ran the ball on first and 10 to Frank Gore, who got stuffed for a one-yard gain, and that burned like 16 seconds off the clock. And they only had time from that point to take one shot at the end zone, which, by the way, was actually probably Josh Allen's best throw of the game that was dropped in the end zone. And if they score that touchdown, the entire complexion of the game is different. Um, instead, they have to settle for a field goal because they just didn't give themselves multiple chances to throw the ball into the end zone. And then you look in the, in the third quarter – they forced DeAndre Hopkins into a fumble when they're up 13 nothing, and everyone at that point was like, oh, that's game. And they have a third down inside the 15-yard line, and J.J. Watt gets a sack, and again, the Texans had to – or the Bills had to settle for a field goal. This was – the Bills came out, and they drew a perfect game script early on um, with that Josh Allen 
oh. big run down the sideline, and then John Brown throwing a touchdown, and they didn't score a touchdown the rest of the way. If they had been able to finish their drives, this game should have been over in the third quarter. Also, in the second quarter, um, with like, a, where was the John Brown play where John Brown didn't get his um, feet down? Was that in the, was that with Tim with eleven minutes left in the second quarter? I think it was right. Because it like immediately after that they had to kick a field goal, right? Yeah, is, is that or is that where he had uh, Brown wide open? He threw it too close to the sideline. No, he didn't throw it. He threw a he threw an absolute laser into a perfect spot where ninety nine percent of elite receivers, I'll say ninety percent of elite receivers, are getting both their feet down. And John Brown jumped was, uh, 12, 1206 in the second quarter. Yeah, exactly. That's seven nothing. Yeah. Is twelve or six? Well, later they they kicked the field goal to make it ten to ten to nothing by the time. Yeah, yeah. You see, actually, so I'm talking about like like if John Brown catches that, that's a touchdown, and they're up fourteen nothing. And then if they if they don't make the mistakes coming down the stretch, and if you're up twenty one nothing, that's ball game. And we talk about what doomed the Patriots red zone inefficiency, third down inefficiency. Like the Bills couldn't close those two drives. You you're uh, Sean's one hundred percent right. They they crush the Texans in the first half and you're only up two touchdowns. And that's how you give a team life. Like that's what happened with Clemson and Ohio State. It happens it happens every week in football. And the Texas the, the the Bills should have snuffed him out and didn't. And then the game got drunk and went to overtime. The Bills had two hundred and forty seven total yards at halftime. The Texans had eighty one. I mean thirteen nothing's not acceptable there. It's got you have to be And able- and when you're only up sixteen nothing, what that allows you to do is after the Texans got eight points and then they forced the fumble. They were able to, because it happened so quickly, they were able to kick a field goal because they were like, then a touchdown gives us the lead. If they're down 21 nothing at that point, they're going for that fourth down instead of kicking a yep. field goal. If they don't get it, the game's over. Yep. And and look, the other thing, like, I mean, it's, I mean, there's some psychological stuff to this too. Like, when you're, when you feel like you've been crushing a team all game, and then all of a sudden you're up 16 to 8. Like, like you don't feel that great about it, you know? Um, By the end, Josh Allen looked like before the yellow throws, he looked like he did not want to go back out there. Did you see him? Did you see how red his face was? Like he looked he, like you. He just shaved in his he, face. It looked like he, he like he was embarrassed. Like he just knew what was happening. Um, Deshaun Watson, however, has been there. Explained his mentality on the big stage. I mean, the game is never over. I mean, regardless if we're down 16-0, 7-0, 28-0, I mean, I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep playing. That's just me. Um, you know, I, I play the game. I don't never look at the scoreboard. I just keep fighting. And, you know, I've been told, especially at a young age, um, and, and especially that, you know, when I was in college, Dabo used to always tell us, regardless if we're up or if we're down, you know, don't never look at the scoreboard. Keep fighting and keep pushing forward. And every drive, you're gonna, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to look up at the scoreboard and you're going to be where you want to be at. Dabo Sweeney, when Deshaun Watson was coming out of college, was at the comp or at the senior bowl. And gave the quote that, that Deshaun Watson is like Michael Jordan. And when he did it, everybody's like, this guy. Dabo with some more Dabo stuff. Well, you know what? He's right. Deshaun Watson is like Michael Jordan. Um, that play, and anybody listening to this, if you watch the game, you know what I'm talking about. That play where he got hit by two guys and then all of a sudden he's popping up and spinning out and completing a pass for a first down. That's where... If you're the Bills, the life just got sucked out. Well, that literally ended the game because, or not literally, but that was the last offensive play in the game because it it was a second down at the 44-yard line, I believe. It could be a little bit off. And it's a 34-yard pass that should have been an 8-yard sack and would have been a third and 18. And the Texans probably aren't converting that. Or 
or they're trying to get into field goal range at that point, and then it's a really long field goal. He two two Bills pass rushers had him in the sights, bounced off him. Sights. Hit grasp. Yes, they hit him, and he bounced off both of them no, in 34 he yards. Was, but see, bouncing off implies that, like, you hit somebody and then, like, easily maneuvered your way out, like, off as a ricochet. He was, like, down in a pile of two other humans trying to tackle him and then just squirted up and, like, took off. It was unbelievable. Actually, I, I watched it. I went back and watched it. Here's what happened. So Deshaun was sacked seven times. Which yeah. sort of gets lost, which is typically what happens when behind the offensive line. He holds the ball too long. And holds the ball forever. So Neil, the number 33, had sacked him earlier on this drive and was sort of in his face chirping at him and, and Deshaun got up smiling. So Neil comes off the blind side, hits Deshaun so hard, but Deshaun's a big dude, knocks him into Matt Milano, knocks Matt Milano down. Like Matt Milano actually would have sacked him, but the m- momentum took him to the ground and he was <laughs> laid out. And at that point, he just spun out to Sean Watson, did, ran right, found Ty- Taiwan Jones for however long that game was, as Sean pointed out, Four yards. Set up, to set up the game winning kick. Yeah. If, um, uh, Neil hadn't hit him, Milano actually may have sacked him, but the fact that he was sort of pinballed around put Milano on his back and that was a wrap. By the I way, mean- an, an overrated play real quick on that same drive, the Texans had a third and 18 from their own 19 yard line. And Deshaun Watson kind of dumped it down to Duke Johnson. And they, the Bills were playing such a soft zone uh, that Duke Johnson was able to yeah. get the first down. Like, that's a really key. Third and 18 from the 19-yard line on a game-winning drive. You can't let that happen on a dump-off 10 yards downfield that, that he is, turns into first down. I don't want to, like, because I like him, so I don't want to pile on him. But, like, that feels like it was Leslie Frazier's idea. And that Taiwan Jones catch after uh, Deshaun almost got sacked, that was his only catch of the game, the entire game. And none of this magic would have ever happened because Watson almost pulled a rabbit out of his foot on their first overtime possession. Uh, third and three, they uh, they had Deshaun in his grasp. He ran around. Darren Fells dropped what would have been the easiest, probably 10 or 15-yard gain because he had a blocker. Uh, he's definitely getting some yardage. And the Texans probably could have ended this thing on the opening drive if Fells catches that. But he drops that third down pass, and the Texans have to punt. So it's good that Watson – in overtime, the Texans definitely deserve to win it because the Bills should have even gotten a possession. I mean, I guess the Texans could have been stopped after that, but their drive was all Watson, and he was the better quarterback in overtime. By the way, if we – we may, you know, we talked about the, the Bills struggling in the first half and not getting as many points as they should have. What if Tony Corrente had not overturned that end touchdown <laughs> fair catch – and he was like, uh, DeAndre Carter, number 14, I thought was going to body slam Tony Corrente. He was in his ear waiting to hear the announcement, just daring him to say something stupid. He was going <laughs> to suplex his ass in front of national television. Finally, the alternative ref comes up and says, look, man, you cannot say this is a touchdown because you will get murdered on national television in front of your family. Just say he gave himself up and let's go because this is, you don't want this to happen. That was, that was insane. I mean, they were like, it's like, okay, all right, the Texans got a little, they got a fresh start here. Like they can get him back. It's just immediately just literally hand the, you know, just felt like a, the ultimate Bill O'Brien thing. Um, on coaching, by the way, I just thought that, look, yeah, Sean's gotten his, uh, his rocks off bashing William and Mary grad Sean McDermott. Um, Sean I said McDermott, he's fine now. Yeah, but that was, I thought going for it on fourth and 27 was incredibly stupid. What, what does the math say though? <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean, I'm kidding. Like, 
punt, <laughs> kick, I don't know, do anything. You punt it, you have three timeouts in the two-minute warning, you get a stop, and then you set yourself in good field position to do, do one final know, drive. Do we know that he didn't tell Josh Allen to go in there and quick kick it? I mean, Josh Allen may have missed her and just did another YOLO throw and said, let's see what happens. He didn't even throw the ball. <laughs> I mean, the the I'm, tr- I'm trying to find out on the game pass. Like, when you when you see it, it watching it in real time is like, are you, you have got to be kidding me. So they have first and 10 on the Houston 25 and they're trailing 19 to 16 at this point. If first and 10 at the Houston 25, it's not a matter of like, you're going to have a look at the, at the game tying field goal. <laughs> in theory, I guess, worst case scenario. Um, the two minute, they, again, they, they, uh, Ingeblast, uh, deep right. Frank Gore, they run him for three yards on second and 10, which was just an unfathomably stupid call by Brian Dable. Two minute warning hits. Um, then on third and 13, and that's why you don't run Frank Gore. Like you're playing to tie this game. You don't want to win this game. Why don't you go win this game? Use your rocket laser on quarterback and take a shot. Uh, instead, then Josh Allen, um, is about to get sacked and dumps it off and is, it's called for, uh, a, it was called for an illegal uh, forward touching pass, illegal touch of a pass that was declined. He was also flagged for intentional grounding. So that's 14 yards from the Houston 28. It's moved back. It's fourth and 20. So it's fourth and 27 on the Houston 42. And they go for it, which again, I can't stress enough. I know a 60 breach. What are the percentage chances of making a 60 yard field goal? Uh, it's indoors. Hoshka's long as 58. He was crushing him. I would say it was probably a 50-50 kick. Okay. No, 50, stop it. 50-50 from 60 uh, yards? Fine, 46. They said he'd hit 55 in warm-ups. He was 4 for 4 in the game. It's indoors. Yeah. I, I mean, Chuck, I would go down to 40% at lowest, but I would say closer to 50-50. What is the Chuck, career mark on, for kickers above from 60-plus yards? It doesn't matter what the career mark. We're he talking about Oshka kicking in this game. That's all. That, see, that's where analytics doesn't matter because you could literally see how the kicker is kicking. You could see what he can kick, how far he can kick, because we saw his prior field goals in the game indoors. Stephen Hoshka could have hit a 60-yarder in this game. What's his career I, indoor from 60 yards? I, can't I, I, I agree with Breach. I think Hoshka is so gassed up that, like, I think the ball is getting there. It's yeah. just whether it's whether it's – like if it hits him into the uprights, like I think he's got the distance. Sean, over under, I was going to say ten percent that he makes that kick. Under. Yeah, I mean fifty percent. Well, thank thank you, Ryan. You're with me. What's the percentage for the conversion of a fourth and twenty-seven, guys? Oh, I would have put. I said I would have punted you three timeouts in the two-minute warning. Kick before you punt. No, you, because I'm, I'm playing for the field position at that point. Punt, you just need to field kick. Then whatever, whatever you want to do, you don't go for it on fourth and twenty-seven. Yes. That's the yes, stupidest coaching move I've ever seen. And to top it off, Josh Allen was sacked for nine negative. <laughs> like, so he got shell-shocked. He didn't know what he was doing. And then it's just hilarious because then they get the ball back and he immediately scrambles and then he does that weird lateral thing. And that that, that was the point where it's like, this guy's drunk. Like, he's you know playing drunk. Though? Like, that was a, a ridiculously terrible sequence of, of play calls. And then on the very next series, when they do get the ball back after they stop the Texans on the fourth down, and they're trying to – they're checking the – so Cole Beasley gets the slant for nine and a half yards. He dives and he gets the first down, but they have to check it. They're going to start the clock. They have the punter out there. They have the punter oh clock. My God, the they left the field goal kicker out there. No, no, but they have the punter under the center. He clocks the ball to stop, clocks it to stop the yeah. clock. So that's, that's incredibly smart. The previous play, we see Josh Allen running backwards as fast as he can <laughs> to see how many yards he can lose on fourth and No, no, see, that drove me nuts because like, uh, that was they, incredible. They, what was wrong with that? That was smart. 
No, the the guy's talking to McDermott. He's telling him you either it's either gonna be a first down or a fourth down, and he leaves a field goal team out there anyway. And they said, then, they, how they have to you, kick it if it's fourth down. So you right, can't, Brenton. Now, if it's the fourth guy, down, there was well, hold on. There was gonna be a ten second runoff, so it was gonna go from twenty one to eleven. The clock was gonna blow on the ref's whistle, so they had to have the field goal team out in case it was fourth down. So having the holders do the spike was the smart move. I understand. I understand what you're saying. Except they told him they were going to tell him whether, like, why not have your offense ready to go? How many times do you think that holder has taken a snap and spiked the football? They probably practice if he's out there doing it. You don't have your offense oh, out there. And I, I, I would, I would have been fine with them absolutely just kicking a field goal. I think that's what you're alluding at, Brinson. Like you're putting a guy in a situation that he's not used to and he could mess it up. I would have been fine with kicking it, not because of that, because I just, after watching Josh Allen the previous drive, I did not trust him to throw the ball away twice, which is what he ended up doing. But I was like, he might take a sack here or throw an interception. Like just, just get it to overtime at this point. That was a fantastically smart play. To say anything otherwise is just. You're I'm fine. Yeah, no, I'm fine with it. That's a William Mary man right there. Um, all right, so the Bills are headed to Kansas City where they are seven and a half point underdogs. Uh, what percent chance, 50-50, do you give them of, uh, upsetting the golden god Patrick Mahomes? 10%. 5%. Wow. Ryan's up 10. Don't act like I'm. They're not I was going to say zero, but Ryan said 10. I mean, zero seemed harsh. The Texans beat the Chiefs earlier this season when Patrick Mahomes was playing. They won by a touchdown uh, in a game favorite, where Deshaun Watson threw two interceptions. Your favorite stat is, guess what Andy Reid's record is off the bye. So how are you going to go both ways? I think that's Princeton's favorite stat. That's my favorite stat. Oh, yeah, yeah thanks. Andy Reid, off the bye. Andy Reid, off the bye. Andy Reid, off the bye. Look, the, the Chiefs are going to murder him. The Texans are terrible. Do you really believe that, Breach, or are you just trying to make, make – I'm just saying that you guys are giving him a 5 and 10% chance. We're talking about a team that beat the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes handily earlier this season. I will say, though, the Chiefs, I mean, maybe yes, not handily. Mahomes, five, five, the Chiefs' two. defense is significantly better. Like, point taken, like, okay, 5% CeeLo because it's Deshaun Watson. Um, and also, look, we just also, saw him take over this game in the second half, so he could do it again in theory. This Chiefs' defense has gotten a lot better since week six. I'll say that. For sure. Okay, so they but, put up 472 yards in that game. Now they're only put up 350. That's still enough to win. You, I mean, the implied probability of a seven and a half point game is much higher than five percent. So what do you? So what do you guys give it? I said ten percent. I no, no. We and you are kind of on the same wavelength. Ooh, the, the B brothers. You know, that, you know that seven and a half game? It's up to nine already. Yeah. Hate to see it. No, I, think, I said the Chiefs are going to blow them out. I just think the percentage. You, you say two of everything, so you're all. I, I, I think I'm going to give the Texans a 40 percent chance of winning. I think it's going to be a one score game, so I think they're going to cover. And as the only person who predicted the Titans to win, and the only person who did Wrong. not go 0 and two, the only do you guys want okay, 0 two in your right. playoff picks? So, I didn't go 0 and two. I I picked it I'm, in my call. I went one and one straight up. I'm talking about straight up because that's that's, that's what matters when you're advancing in the playoffs. That's what matters. That's what matters. Did you go 0 and two or not, Sean? Okay. Yeah, no. I'm anyway. not Owen. Yeah, I think I give the Texans a 40% chance. I think 5 or 10% is just too crazy. They're basically the Stephen Hauska of playoff teams remaining. Got it. Also, I think I said that the Bills are going to Kansas City. <laughs> Stephen Hauska from 60 plus. That's the chance. <laughs> Debo, you guys didn't say anything. Debo, I'll take Debo, the odds. You know, I care. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I might have said the Bills are going to Kansas City. I thought I said that. I was like, I say Bills. That's why I said 5% at first because you actually tricked me. And I was, when I said that, I was thinking Bills. And then 
Breach was like, the Texans beat them. I was like, oh crap, I should go. No, I, was, I almost said, I was going to be like, Breach, you're not even playing the Texans, you moron. Uh, <laughs> that would have been. On, that would have been. By the, way, by the way, I love how offended Brinson got when we were talking over him. Uh, you guys, you guys don't care what I'm saying? As if Brinson doesn't do this to us ten times each. Sean's drunk. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, according to Stephen O, the new numbers, 31.3% the Ravens win the Super, make the Super Bowl? Is that make the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl, Diva? To win it. To win the Super Bowl. Wow. 31.3%. 20.7% for the Chiefs, 24 for the Texans, 32 for the Titans. I was surprised at how low they were for, except for the obvious front runners. And both, and both, uh, but more importantly, so Diva and I, Diva and I are working on the mind melt here tonight. Um, so if you had to take, let's say you have to choose right now, Ryan. Mm-hmm. You have to, you have to pick, your pick right now is locked in. You can't change it. If you're wrong, you die. If you're oh. right, get a uh, brand new Jetta. <laughs> oh, now Bills or Patriots win the AFC East in 2020. I mean, we know Belichick and Brady are coming back. Josh McDaniels won't be there, but they can win without Josh McDaniels because they've done it before. So. Yeah, I'm going Team Patriots. They're they're going to go. I told you they're getting Odell Beckham this off season. They're going to draft 12 wide receivers. The defense is still going to be good. Uh, I mean, I, and Sean McDermott, as much as I love him, Bill Belichick seems to be in his head. Bre- Sean, it's, it's the Patriots. It's the new Jetta. <laughs> Sean's got three. Or, or or it's death. You're asking me to bet on my life if I'm taking the Bills or the Patriots. I think I think I'll take the Patriots and feel okay about it. No, and you, Sean, you'd get the Jetta and run it off a bridge by accident. Jeez. Uh, you know what? Third straight podcast, Ryan has made some sort of joke about someone dying on this podcast. Well, nobody knows that because we bleeped it out. <laughs> I know, but. The others were much more graphic. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best one of the three. I think I would take the bills. Go for it. Then you can change your tune when it doesn't happen. Give me my Jenna! I am not going to go with Team Brinson. I'm going to go Team Patriots. And I would like the analytic nerds to know that over the past five years, Field goal attempts over 55 yards in the playoffs. There's not a large enough sample size for 60 yards because there's only been one kick attempted more than 60 yards. But 55 and above, 50% exactly. Yes, but I think some nerd just told us that you have to do each person individually. You can't just look at the average. Well, yeah, you have to do each person individually. I'm saying this would work in Hoshka's favor no matter what now. So you can spin it either way, and it's going to be about a 50-50 kick. Well, that's great 50, news. 50% from 60-plus yards with the playoff game no, on the from line. 60 not 60 plus, just 60. This is a very, very bizarre attack on John Breach, who's the only person who knows anything about kicking. I mean, he's Hoshka for his career, 28 of 45 from 50 plus. What about 60? I mean, 50 is a lot different than 60. Hoshka's played in Buffalo and Seattle. He probably hasn't tried any 60 yards. Those are bad weather. Well, that seems like try long it, would, it would work against him then, the probabilities, if he doesn't no, have experience he kicking could, Sean, was this game outdoors in a windy city? No, it Whoa. was not. It was indoors. It was indoors. You know what I'm talking about? Climate-controlled stadium where he had already kicked multiple field goals and easily made a 47-yarder with the game on the line. So wait, wait what did Hoshka go tonight? Was he 4-4? Four 4-4. Or four? Four or four. So he is now 24-25 in the playoffs for field goals in his career. Yep. Third most accurate playoff kicker of all time. And see. Greensboro. Oh. <laughs> Suck it, man. 
words. <laughs> um, man, he is so over the, this is since 2011, 52, 52, 53, 58, 54, 53, 56, 54, 51. Those are his longest kicks by year. This is a guy who just bangs home long kicks. All right. Well, 50, 50. That's wow. New nickname. Well, some of us each like to live a little bit, and some of you, some of us are little McDermott's, like Sean and Ryan. Yeah, and you guys aren't invited on the special Stephen Hoshka podcast that Brent and I are going to have in March. Yeah, we're going to talk to Stephen Hoshka, and you're not going to be there. All right, Stephen Hoshka and his mom look forward to listening to that one. Yeah, are you going to get him to, to show up at midnight for the podcast? <laughs> we'll do it in March. <laughs> we'll do it in March on the day that you're not doing the draft podcast. Well, you do uh, weekly draft, no, day, uh, daily. Draft podcast? Daily. Yes. You did that joke last year. It actually got me last year. I was very, very, very concerned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, all right. Well, uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another thrilling, uh, recap. Less, uh, less jaunty than this one. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll break down the NFC games and look forward to the divisional round. Thanks everybody for listening. Talk to you manana. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.